This is Matt Ward of The Weigh-In, your home for combat sports. I'm joined on the phone by Tommy the Razor Renone, a professional fighter from Long Island, New York. Tommy, first off, thank you for joining me this evening. Not a problem at all. You're scheduled to fight veteran boxer Eduardo Flores on February 24th at the Showboat Hotel in Atlantic City. What do you know about your opponent? I know he's got a ton of experience. He's been in there with, with a lot of good fighters. He's very durable. He's very experienced. Um, doesn't have a great record. Uh, he's like 26 and 28 with three draws. But he's only been stopped a handful of times. Maybe like seven, eight times tops. When you do the percentages on that, it's not a lot. And again, he's fought top fighters his entire career. And um, he's got something like 350 or, or more professional rounds for himself. So he's very durable. He's got a lot of experience. And he's not going to see a whole lot from me as a team before. So you know, my job is to just go out there, be me, do my thing, and that should be enough to handle business because I know that I'm a more talented and skillful fighter than he is. He's got more experience than me, which not a lot of guys do at this, at this juncture in my career. But, um, again, he's seen it all, and he's been in it with everybody. Um, I'm just going to go out there and just be me, do what I do, and uh, my skills should be more than enough to handle this guy. How is training camp going for this fight? Good, not great. I'm not going to, uh, you know, get the best training camp. My trainer's brother uh, had a heart attack and then passed away, so he actually had to shoot over to Argentina for a couple of weeks. Oh, I'm sorry uh, to hear that. Yeah, yeah, so that... Uh, that got in the way of things a little bit from, from me training directly uh, you know, with my main trainer. Uh, I lost him for a couple of weeks, so I had to, you know, basically train myself for a couple of weeks. My assistant trainer happened to get the flu, um, so he couldn't pick up much of the slack, but that's life. Uh, that happened. Uh, Jorge, my trainer, just got back about a week ago, so, you know, we picked up where we left off. And uh, at least I got him for the last two weeks of camp to get a lot of pad working with him. And I'm already in good shape. You know, I've been getting good sparring and been doing a lot of running, been in the gym every day, six days a week. Uh, so, so I've been putting in a lot of work. Uh, but once he got back, things started really clicking as far as my uh, reflexes, timing, anticipation, so, so on and so forth, which you only get, honestly, through good, solid pad work. And, um, right. and I tell people all the time, you know, sparring is very important. I mean, uh, sparring and running is is extremely important. Every facet of, of, of a workout is important. But to me, I would rather, if I had a choice, if I had to get ready for a fight for five weeks or six weeks, and I had a choice of the two, and it was you could either hit the pads for six weeks or you can spark for six weeks, but you can't do both, I'd rather you peg work. Because that's your reflex, your anticipation, your timing, combination punching, counter punching, everything comes off that good pad work. And if you don't have it, um, and you're out there sparring on a regular basis, you're stick with single shots and do what you got to do and put, you're not going to put combinations together the right way you're not going to you're not going to be as sharp as you should be so um so I've gotten through the camp okay but once he got back things started really clicking once I started getting a lot of peg work in good good so Tommy you talked a little bit about sparring who have been some of your sparring partners in this camp um well, uh, the guest warriors that I'm fighting is a little shorter than me I think he's about five six and a half so I've been sparring guys roughly his size. Uh, I've been sparring with Anthony Caparis. I've been sparring with this um, this guy, Alp, who is uh, a UFC uh, MMA fighter who's uh, very awkward and uh, similar similar dimensions, similar in height. Um, 
few other amateur guys. Uh, also, Alan Gote, who had a uh, he was probably not fighting anymore, but he stays in the gym. Mm-hmm. So I've been keeping consistent sparring, but mainly um, uh, the guy Al from sparring today, and then uh, Kataris on Tuesday. Those were my last two sparring sessions. Oh, okay, yeah, definitely some familiar names. What um what uh gym do you use to train in? Predominantly, I've always trained at Westbury Boxing. Uh, since I'm 17 years old, I started boxing a million years ago. Uh, so <laughs> that's always been my home gym, and I train a lot in Huntington. Uh, when we get ready for a fight, I go over to uh, Huntington to train. That's maybe you know the 20 25 minutes away from me. So throughout my career, I've always trained there a lot as well when I'm getting flying and when I'm getting ready for a fight. Oh, okay, and those are both uh, Long Island jams, uh, right? Correct. Oh, okay, cool. So this fight is part of a Rising Star Promotions card that also features Thomas Cornflake Lamana. This isn't the first time you have been featured on a Rising Star show. What's it like for you to work with Lamana and Rising Star Promotions? I mean, listen, it's you know, it's a small promotional company. Um, I fought for so many promoters throughout the course of my career. Have to actually sit down with both my record and, and, and count up the numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm probably four for twenty or twenty-five different promoters at this point. Oh wow! So, um, obviously, you know the bigger guys. It, it, uh, you know they offer you a little more, and the smaller uh, the small promoters have less to offer you. But um, I'm not above anything. You know, what I mean, I, I, I fought on huge cards. I fought on smaller cards. Um, uh, and this is uh, you know this is a smaller card, but I love Atlantic City. Uh, I love fighting Atlantic City. Uh, everything went well the first show when I fought uh, for Lamana in 2015. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, I'm looking forward to next week and, and you know, and having a similar result to my last time that I fought in Atlantic City and I fought for Rising uh, Star Promotions. And, um, and you know, everything on, on that end is fine. Awesome, awesome. So, Tommy, over the course of your career, you faced a number of tough opponents, including Dusty Hernandez-Harrison and Ishe Smith. At this point of, in your career, who would you say has been the toughest opponent you have faced to date? Yeah, there are, you know, <laughs> it, it's funny. They're, they're pretty much, to a degree, they're all tough. I mean, yeah. Anybody that comes to fight and they're in shape, they're all getting the ass. And any, anybody can be. But uh, I got 36 fights at this point. There are two that stick out, uh, specifically stick out in my mind. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, the two names that you, you named are obviously the two best guys that I ever fought as far as from an accomplishment standpoint. And the name standpoint, um, and, and, and comparing the two of them, I mean, the only difference really is size. Uh, they were both a lot bigger than me, um, and that's believe me, that's no excuse whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what plenty of guys bigger than me throughout my career that I beat. Uh, Dusty was tall and long, and he was um, a, a pretty sharp puncher, and uh, he's a young kid. Uh, that was a, that was a difficult situation, difficult fight. I was in tremendous shape, mental and physically for that fight. So I mean, I did the best I could under the circumstances. And uh, he was just a better fighter. I have zero excuse as far as Ishe Smith goes. That was a situation where, um, you know, I'm not a 154. Uh, I fought uh, a few times at 154 throughout the course of my career. Mm-hmm. Catch weights in between 47 and 54. Um, if it's the right guy in the right situation, similar to this fight next week where I'm fighting contract weight is 152. Right. Um, with Ishe, when I was offered that fight, obviously the money was very good. And, um, the way my, my mind my mindset at that time I said to myself listen I know I'm not a, um, a junior middleweight and uh, I know this guy's a former world champion and I have my work cut out for me fighting him in Vegas on, on a Mayweather promoted card where he's a Mayweather fighter so everything's stacked against me but I'm getting paid good money and you know what in, in the junior middleweight division at that time a lot of them have gone middleweight now 
but between the Charlo brothers and Alvarez and all these guys, I said, you know what, there are so many monsters at 154, uh, even though Ishii is a, a very good fighter and a extremely accomplished fighter, you know, he's a top 10 guy in the world. I think the time when I fought him, he was ranked number three in the world at 154. Yeah. Said, you know what, if you have to fight somebody at 154, this is the guy to do it because he's not perceived as a huge puncher. And he was, and, and, and he was, uh, he was older than me. He had a lot of wear and tear on him. So I think it was the, the right move to make at the time. And I, and I remember getting ready for that fight. It was a wild thing. I remember thinking to myself, like, if I pull off a win here, I'm going to be ranked in the top 10 in a weight class that I don't belong in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a crazy thought. And um, ultimately, Ishe was just too big for me. That that, that really, if, if he was a regular 147, it would still be a very tough fight. But if he was a regular size 147, it'd be a very winnable fight. And um, he's a 154 who also fights at 160. And as soon as we saw him at the weigh-in, uh, my assistant trainer is like, dude, he's, he's big. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a lot bigger than you think. And he's also very awkward. Um, with with Ishe Smith, he has that style going into the fight, that's what I always see everything he's throwing for a mile away. And it's really not the case when you're in there with him. Because similar to like Danny Garcia, he throws very wide punches. Mm-hmm. But but he cuts the ring off with those punches. It's an awkward style because, you know, he'll cut you off where he'll throw a wide left hook and he'll push you over to the right and you're walking right into a straight right hand. So he cuts the ring off without using his feet. He actually does it with his punches. And right. Those weird looping wide punches that he throws are actually very effective. So Ishe was probably, I would say, my toughest, toughest fight um, as a pro. And also remember, I'm a welterweight getting hit by a guy that's, you know, uh, junior middleweight slash middleweight. Yeah. And who knows what weight that night by the time we're in the ring. So that was actually the only time in my entire career as a professional that I've ever been hurt. He put me with a good shot to the ear in the second round. And um, he buzzed me for a second. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely got my attention. That was the only time I've ever been hurt as a pro. And um, so, so, so I think Ishii was probably my toughest fight as a pro overall. Oh, uh, okay. There was, just, there, was just, there was just nothing I can do with him. Right. Nothing I can do with him. So you've had the opportunity to fight at the Nassau Coliseum twice since its renovation and reopening for boxing. What has it been like for you to compete in this arena in front of your hometown fans? Nassau is fantastic. Um, it was just an absolute honor and a homely experience just to get the opportunity to fight there once, much less twice. Yeah. And the first time they, they had a show there since I think it was 1985. So uh, in 1985, I was five years old, so I've been going to Nassau Coliseum since I was a kid, but I've mm-hmm. been going to Nassau Coliseum for boxing when I was five years old. But I was going there for the circus. <laughs> but <laughs> I can't tell you how many concerts I've been to and how many events I've been to and how many games at Nassau over the years. And Nassau Coliseum is 10 minutes from me. Um, Nassau Coliseum is, is near and dear to my heart and, and many Long Islanders. Yep. Venue. So when they uh, reopened and renovated and... And I heard they were going to start doing boxing on a regular basis. Of course, I had to um, make my pitch to try and get over there. And it was a very difficult card to get on, that first card. Uh, the Bell was the promoter of record. And, um, and it really didn't look like I was going to get on that card. And uh, I had to really claw and scratch to get on that show. And uh, the second show at NASA was actually promoted by Eddie Hearn. Uh, and that was his first uh, promotion mm-hmm. in America, uh, Metron Boxing. So that one, believe it or not, was a little easier to get on. Oh. Yeah, after after fighting at Nashville the first time, you know, I sold a ton of tickets, and uh, the people uh, from Brooklyn Boxing were involved with everything that takes place at uh, Nassau Coliseum and the Barclays Center. Right. And they reached out to me, and um, I probably would have uh, attempted to reach out to them, I think, but I, I, I kind of figured, you know what, there's no way they're going to put me back on. 
Um, I came up short, uh, and that's the policy in my first fight. I had the corner scratch to get on the card, and I came up short. I'm just like, there's no way I'm going to get back, back at NASA. And, um, and then it turned out, if he was developed promoting the show again, it would have happened. But it just aligned just the right way where it was Eddie Hearn. So uh, I got to fight at NASA twice in less than four months. And, um, and the second fight kind of came, came about on, on somewhat short notice because uh, the show wasn't officially announced like a month before um, the rumors were, were out that you know Eddie Hearns was going to do his first show at Nath Coliseum and that, and that would be Danny Jacobs and uh, and I was in talks with uh, Dimitri Salida uh, who was a co-promoter on the event about fighting on the show but I never actually got my official thumbs up until about four weeks before the fight oh. so, um, and, and, and the actual show wasn't even announced until about I would say five weeks before the fight that was a late promotion oh yeah I remember that yeah I remember that I had to do a little bit of a rush job. Um, a fighter, until you have a signed contract, you can maintain all you want in the gym. And you, you hear people, oh, you got to stay ready. You don't have to get ready. Listen, a lot of that is bullshit talk. It's easy to say from the outside. You're yeah. a fighter, and, 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 and there's so much that goes into this from the dieting aspect of the nonstop training and the repetition the, and just the grind every single day, day in, day out. Plus, when you work a full-time job and you have a lot going on in your life, I mean, it's not, it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. So once you actually sign that contract, that's when reality kicks in. Um, it also makes it difficult sometimes when you're fighting, you don't know who you're fighting. So if you're fighting, to be announced, and they're trying to find an opponent to you, until you know who you're fighting, until you, you can match your name and a face, it really doesn't get real yet. So um, but that one was a little difficult. I had to do a four-week rush job, and I was supposed to fight a rematch with Monterosa, what was the... Uh, Coliseum the first time mm-hmm. that's who I was preparing to fight and that's who I was sparring guys similar with the aggressive style to fight and um, his people kept dragging their feet dragging their feet dragging their feet and just one hurdle after another until um, until they eventually just turned the fight down we had to fight um, uh, Sosa on well basically two weeks notice mm-hmm. Sosa was originally on the card fighting somebody else and um, he had the rug pulled out from underneath him don't know the, all the details about, behind it all I do know is that uh he was already on the card, and then he was off the card. So he was training to get in shape and, and getting ready to fight, um, and then suddenly he was off the card. So the matchmaker had called me up and, and mentioned Sosa, who I was familiar with. He's fought Lamana, he's fought uh, he's, he's a Pennsylvania guy, he's fought a lot of guys. I, I knew that he was, you know, a tall, long, big puncher, but I thought that he was slow mm-hmm. and that I could handle him. But Sosa is really the kind of guy that, um, Unless you have to fight him, he's a dangerous guy. The guy, the guy can really punch. Yeah. And I knew that before I fought him. I knew, I knew he was a real good puncher before I fought him. And um, basically, um, the fight had to get put together quickly because they were running out of time, and uh, and Manolosa cost us so much time and stalling to take the fight with me. So, um, so that was that was who I was for the second fight at Nassau. And it was a fight I thought I won. It, it was it was a majority draw, and most of the people there thought I won the fight. But it wasn't an easy fight. I'll right. Right now, it wasn't an easy fight because he was such a big puncher. And uh, and he was also a dirty fighter, quite honestly. He used his elbows a lot. The referee gave him a million warnings but never took a point. If you don't take a point from a guy, he's just going to keep doing it. He's going to keep doing it. He's going to keep doing it. And yeah. Of course, the fight. So um, I had to stay on the outside with him. He's a full long guy. I had to stay on the outside with him, which is staying at the end of his punches, which is where his power is. Because any time I went inside with him, I was getting elbows throat elbows in the eye getting elbows left and right my face was a mess after the fight mm-hmm. so that was a rough fight but um 
you know, I grinded it out, and I thought I did enough to win the fight, but apparently not. You know, I ended up with a draw, but you know what? It's a hell of a lot better than ending up with a loss. I would have been absolutely devastated had I um, had I came up short in Nassau a second time. But um, overall, the experience of fighting twice in Nassau was awesome. I fought in front of a very big crowd. They got to fight right in my backyard at, at the biggest venue on Long Island. And another historic venue that's been around forever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't have much longer left in my career. Um, August or so is going to be my last fight. Tentatively, August 11th right now mm-hmm. um, in Brooklyn. So anything can happen between now and August, of course, whether Nassau pops up again or maybe I get a chance at Barclays. But right now, my only focus is next week, you know, handling business in Atlantic City. And then we'll see uh, between now and August. I gotta bridge that gap. I'm not gonna sit on my ass for five months and just wait for August. So, you know, we'll see what happens between now and then. Yeah, yeah, th- that'd be awesome to get to see you fight one more time at Nassau Coliseum for sure. Uh-huh. Tommy, is there anything else you would like to say to your fans? Uh, no, I'm not, not a whole lot. Yeah, I'm ready. I've been working hard. I've been to the gym in 20 minutes to, you know, continue the grind. And I'm just ready to go. I wish, uh, I honestly, I truly can't fight or say this, but I, I honestly wish the fight was, um, was this Saturday, not next Saturday. I'm ready to just jump on the scale, make weight, and, uh, and get in there and fight. You know, I'm, I'm hungry to fight this one. Very cool. Well, Tommy, thank you very much for joining me this evening. We wish you the best of luck next Saturday. Absolutely, no problem. Thank you.